You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. And if you have your Bible, you're invited to turn there with me. Though we put the words up there, it's always good to turn in your own box there and let's follow along together as we, as we look at this. And um, I think it's always good to read together as we do this. Let's do that. John chapter 15. I'll let you remain seated as we do it. So I'll test you to see if you can read as well seated as you do standing, and we'll see how that goes, all right? Let's read this out loud together from the New Living Translation. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Jesus said, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. But now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Well, that's simple enough, right? I think we can just take that and go home. I, honestly, I had a hard time crafting this message because the message is just so obvious, right? It's just so simple. What about love one another don't we understand? I mean, really, how difficult is that? <laughs> if it was so simple, we would be doing it, would we not? I mean, knowing the right thing is not the same as doing the right thing. Being able to have the right answers on a test isn't worth a hill of beans if you fail in the test of real life. I mean, think about it. Love one another. Doesn't everybody believe in that? Isn't that what the Beatles sang, right? All you need is love. All you need is love. Sing it with me. All you need is love, love, love is all you need. And then they split up after that. <laughs> I mean, they had it all, right? I mean, who doesn't agree with that song and the message of it? But it is much harder to do than it is to sing about. Christianity has uh, no room to talk when it comes to being able to stay together. I mean, how many denominations are there? How many church splits have there been? How many splinter groups have split from one to the other to the other? You see, this is the irony because love is supposed to be our distinctive quality as Christ followers. Knowing that these were the last words Jesus was going to say to his disciples before he was arrested, before he was 
falsely accused and tried and crucified, knowing this was the last time he was going to have them all together in that room before the crucifixion, he was going to tell them the things that were most important for them to remember. And the thing that he said to them is, I'm going to give you a new commandment, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Verse, uh, this is from John chapter 13. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then he goes on to tell this parable. And the whole point of the parable of the vine and the branches is to be remaining in the love of Christ that comes from the Father. So if love is the hallmark of Christianity, if it's the thing that should be our distinguishing trait, why then have we made this sort of more like a hallmark card where, you know, we give it out selectively and sparingly and only when we are kind of obliged to do it because it's expected of us? Why is not love something that is at the core of our being that we give away to everybody at all times and to live it out in the way that Jesus did and he taught his disciples to do? I mean, if it's so obvious to us, why is it so scarce? Why so difficult? Why does something that's so good and right and pure turn rotten so quickly and so easily? We're to be known for our love. And yet in a culture today, and wrongfully so, it seems like Christians are noted more for the opposite of love than for love. And, and, and it just doesn't make sense to me. So how can we produce this kind of loving fruit that lasts? And I think we need to begin because we realize that fruit, as he says here, it's cultivated from beginning to last to the end by love. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And again, we're talking about the metaphor Jesus uses of the vine and the branches. He's the vine, we're the branches. And the idea is that the source of energy for the fruit comes from the vine, flows through the branches, and then develops the fruit. But Jesus goes a step farther here, and he says, as I have as the Father has loved me. So if we want to follow his metaphor a little more fully, then Jesus received the love from the Father. So the, the Father's love is the root of it all. Jesus sensing, even at this stage of his ministry, knowing what was lying before him, the love of the Father, that's what energized him. That's what motivated him. That's what drove him to care for the sick, to heal the sick, to care for the for the, for the weak, to reach out to the poor and to the, those who have been discarded from society. Jesus showed and demonstrated what God the Father's love was like because he knew it and had it in his own life. And he was sharing that as he extended it out to others. That was the fruit of Jesus's relationship to the Father. So he says, remain in my love. Remain in my love. And what happens is when we get fractured from the love of Jesus, it makes it more difficult for us to love others. And the problem is we are looking for love from this direction. And we really need to get it from this direction. And the problem is when we don't get it from this direction, we don't have it to give away or, or it breaks us, hurts us, and it becomes this contractual kind of love rather than we got to get it from the unconditional you know, faithful source of God's love in our lives to fill us up, to be able to give it out to others. 
Remaining in the vine means to be perpetually anchored in God's love. To be perpetually anchored in God's love. And Jesus says, if the Father loved me, so I loved you. And the root of that love begins with God's love for Christ. Christ takes it. He is the vessel. He is the conduit to take the love of the Father and reach out to we, the branches, and he fills us with that love so that we would then be the conduit to the fruit. And that means as we reach out and touch others, it all comes from God. It's the source of it all. How important is a parent's love? We know it in the natural sense. I talked a little while ago about the blessing that's so important to get from a parent, from a father, from a mother, and how important that is. And when we don't have that blessing, how fractured that causes us to be, the brokenness inside of us. How much more important is it that we have God the Father's love for us? And that's the one thing, because parents disappoint. Parents aren't perfect. I'm not, you're not, your parents weren't, your children won't be perfect parents, even though they... uh, Uh, try to make you feel like you have to be perfect. They're going to grow up and make mistakes too. The point that I'm trying to say is that that we have to tap into God's love for us as as the ultimate source for us to be able to love in the way that's going to develop lasting fruit. And I want you to note the context of what Jesus is saying here. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be falsely accused. He already just said in the prior couple chapters, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me three times before the, before the night is over. And you're all going to scatter. But I want you to know the love of God is there. And then, then he gets arrested. And then you know the torture that he goes through. And then you know the cross. And he knows that he's about to pay the ultimate price. And yet he says, I still know God loves me. So the point is, does God love us only when things are going our way? Does God still love us when it looks like everybody else has walked away? Does God still love us when the bottom falls out? Does God still love us when the worst that we could ever imagine happening to us happens to us? Is God's love still there? Jesus said that he believed that the love of the Father was there, even though he knew what he was about to endure. I will say this, however, when he hung on the cross, he cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? So when the bottom drops out and you feel like God doesn't love you, take heart. Jesus felt that also. But he wouldn't have been able to go through that if he did not know up front that God's love was still going to be there on the other side. So though we go through hell for a time, though we go into the pits, though we go through that, that experience that feels like God is nowhere to be found, it is that faith that you have. And Jesus proved it to us that God's love would be there still on the other side and was never... A, never really not there even in the midst of the time. Corey Tin Boom, I love the quote she said as she was in a, uh, a prison camp during World War II. She said that, that uh, uh, no matter how deep the pit you're in, God's love is deeper still. Wow. 
So that's what, that's what sustained Jesus. That's what gave him the courage to go through what was about to happen. And, uh, and because of that, he was able to endure the suffering. So, so the fruit that lasts is, is beginning to end. It's God's love through Jesus to us, to the fruit. It's all about the love of God. And, and, and I want you to know that it has to be cultivated intentionally. Jesus said, if you obey my commands and you remain in my love, just as, as I obey my Father's commands, um, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, how many of you, like me, read those words, obey and commands, and you bristle? Ugh. Obey? Command? Who, who wants to love because you have to and because you're commanded to? No, none of us likes to be commanded to do things, do we? I mean, nobody wants to be told, you must obey. I mean, that's what we tell our dogs to do. Who wants to be like that with other people in the relationship, especially from God? You've got to obey. Or what is the question? I mean, we do things because we want to do them, not because we have to do them or we're commanded to do them. The best way to do things is because you love to do them. I mean, we love our spouses because we feel like loving them all the time, right? I mean, not because we're obliged to do it, because all we need is love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all we need, right? I mean, just this. What, I don't know how many couples, well, I could tell you every couple that I meet and marry in premarital counseling is in love with each other. They are. Oh, we love each other. How are you going to get... Because we just love each other. Well, how are you going to stay together? Because we just love one another. We love, we love, we love. And I'm sitting there saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it time. And you won't feel like loving that person. And when you don't feel like loving that person, that's where the obligation to love that person kicks in. Love is not a feeling. Love is a command. Love is an obligation. Love is something we do because, yeah, we're supposed to. But I want you to know that he goes on to say that if you do that, my joy will be in you, and you'll be overflowing with joy. You know, Jesus said, first of all, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And that, that sounds eerily like, if you do what I tell you, I'll keep loving you. Right? How many of us like those relationships? If you do what I tell you, I'll love you. The flip side is, if you quit doing what I tell you, I'll quit loving you. Is that really what Jesus is saying here? I doubt that very seriously. Because I believe that God's love is unconditional. I believe that God is always intentionally, unceasingly, unwaveringly offering his love to you. And at the root, God's love for Christ is feeding the vine, and the vine is feeding the branches. But here's the problem. Branches get broken. People get broken. Branches get diseased. People get diseased. Branches close off the source of life, and branches wither, and branches die. And I don't think it's because the vine quit feeding it. I just think that there are things that happen to us that break us, that close up that, 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 uh, that vessel that feeds us with the life, with the love of God. 
And I think it could be a wide variety of things. And it probably all of them could, could be categorized under the heading of we get hurt. We give in to our sinful nature. We uh, get, get angry, frustrated, uh, afraid. Pain in our life somehow, you know, constricts that, that, that vessel, that, that vein carrying the love of God into us. And I think those things shut off the valve. They shut off the flow of God's love in us. So, so I guess maybe we need to sort of ask the question, where in your life, if you've sort of felt the flow of God's love becoming less in you, what is causing that to shut down? Because there are circumstances in our lives that do that to us. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. I mean, sometimes it's just pure disobedience. And sin, sin doesn't hurt God. You know, Jesus, I know sin is a, a, a word that's sort of uh, not very, very popular these days. But sin is sin. When we disobey God, we sin. Uh, and you say, well, I don't believe in sin because everybody's the same. Well, you know, somebody hurts you. Somebody steals something of yours. That's sin against you. We, we will all feel the consequences of sin when somebody hurts us, does something to our kids, or, or, or takes something or breaks something or intentionally causes pain in our lives. That's sin. You can tell what sin is. When somebody rapes, murders, steals, lies, cheats, yada, yada, yada. We all know what sin is when it happens to us. Why is it that we don't know what sin is when we do it to others? So the point I'm trying to say there, and I'm going down a side alley, is that sin doesn't hurt God. Sin hurts us. Sin closes off what God's love can do in our lives. And, and when we are living in a perpetual state of disobedience to God. Now, none of us is perfect. We all fall short. We're all sinners, and myself included, please. Um, but I want you to know, when you choose to live in a constant state of disobedience to God, it'll, it'll, you'll sh it'll shut the valve off of God's love in your life. But it's not God doing it. It's you doing it. God's constantly wanting to break through that. God's constantly wanting to, to, to take that blockage and provide some divine surgery for you to be able to be open to the love of God in your life. And when you are doing that, when you are feeling the flow of God's love, it produces fruit that lasts and it is a joy to behold. Jesus said, I've told you these things so you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And that's the reward of remaining in the vine. The reward of it is finding your place in God's will and finding your place in God's ways you will have deep joy. You will be able to look back on your life with a deep sense of reward rather than regret. And that is the deepest joy I think any one of us would ever want in our lives, is to be able to get to the end and look back and say, you know, it wasn't perfect and there was pain along the way, but all along I was, I was tapped into the love of God and I never doubted that. And it helped me to be a better person.
Help me to forgive when I was hurt. Help me to love those who didn't love back. Help me to not live with regret. Next, next month, we're going we're gonna to go further into the topic of joy as we dive into the book of Philippians. Paul wrote Philippians from prison when he was awaiting a trial, persecution from Rome. He was also being uh, 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 opposed by other believers. Uh, he was writing to a church that had a lot of fighting and bickering going on inside of it. And yet, in the midst of all of that, he writes the most joy-filled letter in all of Scripture. So we're going to call this series Rise, because we want to rise above the fray. We want to rise above the bitterness. We want to rise above all the garbage and ugliness that our culture is throwing around. And especially in the month of October, I want us to rise above, okay? That's the purpose behind that. And I can't wait for that. Because Jesus' desire is not for your pain, but for your joy. And our deepest and purest joy is fine when we are most in sync with the love of God. So, so this, this, this fruit that lasts, it begins and ends through love. It, it really is a joy to behold. It's about something that we do intentionally, not just when we feel like it, but it also takes time. This fruit that lasts takes time to ripen. The person who wrote the Gospel of John, from which we are getting this text, the Apostle John, is known as the Apostle of Love. He, he wrote the Epistle of 1 John, which I'm going to read a little bit from in just a little bit, which you will see is so full of love, you think this guy must have been born, you know, this most loving person. And yet, when we read the Scriptures, read the Gospels, we see that there were at least three instances where he was not that way. John, John he, was, he was a fisherman, hard worker, laborer out there with his brother, and Jesus calls him. And, and uh, so he starts following Jesus, and very early on there we see that there's another guy that's out there and he's casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And John and his brother goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, look, somebody's casting out demons in your name. Should we take care of him for you? Jesus says, no, let him go. He's not causing any harm. And then there's another time where it's like, Oh, man, we want to be number one. John, John and James, Peter and John, John, James, John and James, we want to be, we want to be number one in your family, in the kingdom. We want to be your right and left hand. We want to be most important. Yeah, 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 pushing others down, pulling, pushing ourselves up. Not a very loving attitude. And then there was one other time when Jesus was traveling from Jerusalem, or down to Jerusalem from Galilee, and uh, they were traveling through Samaria, and there was a Samaritan village that didn't want them to hang out there, and so they didn't accept them. And John's one of the guys says, "Hey Jesus, can we call fire down from heaven and destroy that city?" Not a loving thing, is it? But here, by the end, toward the end of his life, and decades probably passed from those first couple years, three years of following Jesus, to when he settled down to write his gospel and write the epistles. We see that when he dipped that quill into ink, he somehow is stuck on the word love. And he spends the entire letter of 1 John trying to find ways to describe love to us. Notice 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Chapter 4, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I mean, can you imagine all the love that's pouring out of these words? Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever doesn't love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they haven't seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. All we need is love. It's so true. The difference between those three early episodes in John's life and the letter that he wrote much later, it's dramatic. But it's the story of how love grows inside of us the longer we remain in the vine. The longer we're tapped in the vine, the more the love grows and flows in us and the more lasting the fruit of love grows in our lives. And so let's keep growing. You might be dealing with some bitterness and anger and hurt that's still blocking the love of God in you. Somehow we need to let God come and provide some divine surgery there. Let the love of God flow in us a little more. Because it takes time for a branch that's broken to be restored. The cracks are deep. The scars are strong. And it takes time for that, for the love of God to do its healing work inside of us sometimes. But all we can do is open ourselves up to that and let God do the healing in our lives. One last thing he says here. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I told you everything the Father's told me. Fruit that lasts is, is an unworthy friendship. It's that friend that you thought would never let you be their friend but then they let you be their friend. And not only that, they make you their best friend. They confide in you. They give you safety to confide in them. They no longer call you, this is so-and-so. They say, this is my friend, right? It's no longer, you know, this is, hey, you know, when, when Jesus introduces you, he doesn't say, hi, this is, you know, this is Bill Ellis. He pastors a church in Oakmont, Pennsylvania. He said, this is Bill, my friend. This is Lee, my, my buddy. You know. This is Laurel, my friend. This is, you know, this is Muffy, my friend. This is, 
He calls you my friend. Isn't that amazing? Who is worthy of that kind of love from God? I'm not. I'm not. And to be loved by the one who we don't feel worthy of their love is so special. It's so special to think that that one that we wish would love us really does love us, and then we find out they love us more than we thought they loved us. Ooh, that's a special feeling. And when we realize that God's love is more special than that, how great is that in our lives? And so we need to let the love of God do its work inside of us. Jesus opens the door for us to enter into a new friendship, a new relationship. You're no longer God's servant. You're no longer God's slave. You're no longer just an acquaintance. He calls you my friend, and he lets you in on his secrets. He lets you in on his plans. He lets you in on his story. And he says, won't you come with me? Let's have this journey together. Let's travel through this life together. And let's see how much we can get the love of God into the world around us. Come on, why don't you be my friend? Why don't you let me love you? And let's love, let's feel the love of the Father for both of us. And let's take this love. Let's see how much of this love we can give away. Let's see what kind of difference it can make in our jobs. Let's see what can it do in our families if we give that kind of love away. What can it do as we reach out to our neighbors, to our people's school? What can it do if we reach out even to our enemies and love them? Wow, that's going to blow them away. They won't know how to handle that. Can we, can you, this is the secret I'm inviting you to be a part of. Not to treat the world the way it treats you. Not to spread the garbage around that's being spread around. Not to listen to all the negativity and all the garbage and let that be the largest voice that feeds your brain. But let the love of God fill you and saturate you so much that you are like me reaching out to the world developing fruit that lasts that begins and ends in love fruit that lasts that's intentional that we choose to do it even when it doesn't feel like even though we don't feel like doing it that's what Jesus says I want for you and when you do that you're going to find a greater joy in your life than you can find anywhere else that's the message of the love of God, and that's what God wants for you and for me. So what's blocking you from that? What hurt? What pain? What anger? What bitterness? What sin? What's blocking that in your life? Because, folks, we got to get it from God to give it away to others. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I think it's always good for us to do some self-examination when we get to the end of a, a message like this. And so, so I want you to do that right now and ask yourself, am I really growing into a more loving person? Am I becoming a more selfless person? Or am I becoming more bitter? Am I becoming more selfish? Where does the love of God need to penetrate me more deeply? And if I could label the blockages in my life, in, in my heart, in my vessels, that, that, that's blocking the love of God, 
what would I name that? What is it that's doing that? And do I need to let God do some surgery here to remove that blockage? Do I need to, do I need to finally and fully forgive the hurt and the bitterness? Do I, do I need to trust God instead of being bound by fear? God, I just pray for all of us here. Help us, Jesus, to tap deeply into the vine of God's love. Unblock the blockages, Lord, so that your love would flow in me and flow through me, that I would be what you have wanted all of your church to be, that we would be known by our love for one another. Help me to tune out the voices of hatred and bitterness, the lies, the hurt, the ugliness. Help me to tune in to you, I pray, so that I might be more fully what you want me to be, so that I can produce fruit that lasts, and you can produce fruit that lasts through me. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.